You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon, a.k.a. DJ Mushu Pork. This time, the princess saves the prince. You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from your childhood, or just those movies you're nostalgic about, and we kind of take off the rose-colored glasses, look at them as objective moviegoers, and let you know if these movies actually hold up or not. And Zach, this isn't just any episode of Nostalgia Be Damned. This is episode number 70, dude. That's disgusting. Yeah, right? We're old. We make people uncomfortable when we sip soup at restaurants. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I drive very slow. This week, we watched uh, 1998's animated action-adventure, Mulan. Yep. Uh, Not to be confused with the upcoming 2020 Mulan, uh, which looks... I, I, we'll get into that. I'm jumping ahead. We watched Mulan. We did. Uh, the animated one. And it's hard. It, it's actually kind of getting me angry that we have to distinguish which one we're talking about now. Like, I have to say The Lion King 1994. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and never distinguish what Lion King I'm talking about. Okay, but, fine. All right. <laughs> but for podcasting's sake, we will distinguish that we're watching the cartoon Mulan and... Uh, we, quite a trip down memory lane, Brandon. What are your what are your remembrances of this movie? I don't believe I actually saw this one in theaters, or if I do, I don't remember the experience. I do remember watching this a shit ton on VHS, the old clamshell, and I wore that thing out. That was a movie that, because again, I grew up with all sisters. This was a movie that we all rallied around, from what I could remember anyway. It was a great Disney movie with a solid heroine, one of the first, like, real Disney princesses, quote-unquote, with some agency who was a fucking just badass. Did you just say agency, Brandon? That's racist. (laughs) No, I said agency. Don't do this to me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I have a pretty similar experience with this movie, actually. I don't remember seeing it in theaters. There's a possibility I did, um, because I remember them promoting the shit out of this movie. A lot of McDonald's toys and Szechuan sauce. sauce. Yeah, Rick and Morty fans. Um, but again, not one that probably would have spoken to me as a little boy until, uh, my mother met my father and I suddenly had a stepsister and yeah, Mulan was on all the time. And I remember liking it a lot as a kid. I of course gravitated toward the Mushu character in my younger years, you know, Eddie Murphy, dragons. I'm there for that. Despite you know, the title of our show, I've actually kind of frequently seen this one throughout the years. This isn't one that I completely forgot about, but I did think it'd be fun to kind of talk about anyway. I think I've seen it even more recently than that. I think I've seen it in like the last two or three years, uh, probably inebriated, but... (laughs) That always helps with Disney movies. Yeah, it's one of those Disney movies that always stuck with me and one that I'm, you know, it was kind of like when we watched Hercules. Hercules is always a Disney movie that if I find it popping up on some sort of streaming service I'll I'll put it on because I'm like oh yeah I remember really enjoying this Mulan is maybe one of only three movies out of the Disney cartoons that I will actually go back and do that and I couldn't really explain to you why it's just a movie that always stuck out with me yeah and again another one of those movies that I've never really analyzed critically so it was interesting to go back at this and look at all right why do I like Mulan or why did I like this movie so much and why is it stuck with me and uh, I gotta say 
was it was kind of a fun watch. I'm glad we picked this movie anyway. Yeah. So do you have any facts and histories for us? Let's get into the nitty gritty. So this movie was directed by Tony Bancroft and Barry Cook. Now Bancroft also direct co-directed a movie called Animal Crackers, which I've never heard of. Uh, Barry Cook went on to co-direct Arthur Christmas and that Walking with Dinosaurs movie from a few years ago. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, that one was not uh, very critically loved. Mulan, however, is. It's got an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 7.6 on IMDb. It uh, cost an estimated $90 million to produce, but earned $120 million at the domestic box office and $304 million worldwide. So it finished 13th for the year of 1998 overall. It was the second highest grossing animated film that year behind A Bug's Life. It did, however, earn more than The Rugrats Movie, The Prince of Egypt, former episode Ants, and Quest for Camelot. I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, None of those surprise me except the Rugrats movie. What do you mean it earned more than the fucking Rugrats movie, Brandon? (laughs) Dude, that is a stay tuned. I have not seen that movie in forever. Oh, is it ever? That movie is (laughs) gut-wrenching. It's the saddest (laughs) It's the saddest movie ever for a movie based off of a Nickelodeon kids cartoon about talking babies. I don't know, dude. Did you ever see Rugrats Go Wild, where they meet the wild thornberries? Did you ever see Rugrats in Paris? Oh, did you ever see Hey Arnold the movie? Yeah, of course I saw Hey Arnold the movie. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> well, Mulan, if you can remember, this was, you know, late 90s. This was their actual Disney's second to last release of their sort of renaissance era, which began with The Little Mermaid in 1989. That was followed by The Rescuers Down Under in 1990, Beauty and the Beast in 91, Aladdin in 92, Lion King came out in 94, Pocahontas was in 95, then there was The Hunchback of Notre Dame in 96, Hercules in 97, this one Mulan in 98, and they finished with Tarzan in 1999. Honestly, a pretty solid slate of films there for that decade. I really like that you included the rescuers in that, like it's on an echelon with every other movie you listed off. Get out of here, Brandon. (laughs) Dude, do you remember the rescuers down under? That's a great movie. John Candy is like the bird and everything. Come on, man. It's been a long, long time since I've seen that movie, and I don't know if I ever fully comprehended what I was watching. (laughs) Yeah, audiences did not go to see that movie at all, honestly. So Mulan, in terms of box office gross, it outgrossed The Little Mermaid, obviously rescuers down under, Hunchback of Notre Dame and Hercules. It's about in the same ballpark as Pocahontas and Tarzan, but doesn't come close to, you know, the box office halls of Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, or The Lion King, which are considered the three kind of masterpieces of that era. Yeah, um, but it's very formulaic, like all those movies. It's, you know, female protagonist A has a problem with uh, male antagonist B and... uh, you know, she'll fall in love with male antagonist C at some point. Yeah, but this one definitely, you know, it strays from the formula in, I think, w- her motivations necessarily, or I guess, because it's never love that she's set out for. It's really to prove her worth and to save her dad. But what's interesting that you said that is because actually in the early stages of the story, it was actually conceived like a Tootsie romantic comedy film where Mulan, who is like a misfit tomboy who loves her dad, is betrothed to Lee Shang, whom she has not met yet, and then slowly over later drafts it becomes you know she's she becomes more selfless you know it's it's more based on her drive for approval in her dad's eyes and there was also interestingly enough no mushu in the original concept interesting um why did they abandon that does it say 
Well, I think one of the big reasons is because they wanted it to have a much more comedic tone, uh, the Mushu character anyway, so they actually added that character for levity, and they wanted someone similar to Robin Williams a la Genie performance. But when they first, I guess, approached Eddie Murphy, of course, at this time he had not done any voice work, the donkey character hadn't been created yet, he was like, no, I'm not going to fucking record that stuff unless I can do it at my house in my basement in New Jersey. And they accommodated it. A little did he know that it would like kick off some of the four biggest movies of his career. Yeah, he'd have a whole career resurgence really in family movies right around this time. I think this was a couple years after Dr. Doolittle, or the same year as Dr. Doolittle actually. So this is where he was kind of, yeah, dipping his toe into... You know, more family fair. Bruce Willis was originally cast as Lee Shang. Thank God. (laughs) Yeah, what? I mean, okay. You know what? We're laughing at that, but look who we got instead. I I don't know, man. That's that's a whitewashing on a whole other level. There's so much whitewashing in this movie that we have to get to. Like, why do... You know what? I'm just going to jump into it. Why do half the actors speak with, like, a Brooklyn accent in this movie? What's going on? (laughs) I'm going to punch you so hard it'll make your ancestors dizzy. Why I oughta? Like, what? Jackie Chan voices Shang in the Chinese release. I don't know why he wasn't approached for the American version. I mean, you'd think in 1998 he's doing Rush Hour. He's a big hit. Apparently he's also a hugely successful singer in Asia, so he also made a music video of the song I'll Make a Man Out of You, dude. I want to see that. Yeah. I think I have seen it. He's probably doing that whole, like, uh, climb up the pole thing to retrieve the arrow just himself. (laughs) It is, I think, if I remember correctly, it is a lot of martial art demonstration. It better be. It better be. Um, And the last two little tidbits here. This film marked Disney's first ever DVD. So it was released in November of 1999. Kind of interesting. And... I said it was critically acclaimed. It was also nominated for one Oscar, that being Best Original Score, which I will agree, this score, pretty fucking dope. I'm going to go ahead and say the music is probably the strongest point of this film. It's definitely up there, man. I I truly enjoy the music, and I've been on record several times on this show saying I did not like the musical numbers in most kids' movies when I was younger. I found them boring, often would fast-forward them. This, along with Lion King and a few other Disney movies maybe sprinkled in there, I sat through all the music in this when I was a kid. I enjoyed the songs, and I gotta say, most of them still held up. Donnie Osmond, dude. Let's get (laughs) down to business. I thought so. That's funny. Yeah, B.D. Wong is, of course, you know the 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 speaking voice of Captain Lee Shang. But yeah, Donny Osmond performs the song "I'll Make a Man Out of You." He's he matches his voice kind of brilliantly. <laughs> I think he does really well. Mulan, dude. We start off with the Huns. You know they're led by Shan Yu, and they're invading Han China by breaching the goddamn Great Wall. And they're like, no one can do that. That's impossible. That's why we built the fucking thing, right? Then we cut to the Emperor. He's like, all right, well, let's send everything we got at him. Let's get every able, able-bodied man. So he basically, you know, mobilizes this giant fucking recruitment of any good-to-go uh, dude in the, any village. So then we cut to the Fa family, right? The father is a an army veteran. He's got a limp. He walks with a cane. The grandmother, she's a, you know, a surly, funny little old lady who's got, like, a lucky cricket, right? Mm-hmm. Cricky? Yeah, I, dude... I don't ask, don't get me started with this movie and its animal sidekicks. This movie has not one, not two, but three funny animal sidekicks. <laughs> and they're all treasures, man. Uh, well, no, they're not. But go ahead. Mulan herself, you know, she is 
practicing for this matchmaking ceremony that she's already late to, and we get a little bit more of just how the character is, and she's, you know, kind of a, a free spirit, doesn't She's necessarily... bad at, she's, uh, I'll jump in here, Brandon, she's bad at being a woman. Um, <laughs> I mean, technically, yeah, for their culture, she is not the best uh, candidate well, for, for marriage. No, I mean, the, it, it's weird, I, I didn't really get this until this rewatch, they make her out to be maybe the clumsiest person in the world. Like, I thought maybe, like, as a kid, I always saw it as more of, like, oh, she's just different and free-spirited. But, like, when I watched it here, it was just, like, no, she's just, like, the Mr. Magoo of Chinese women. It's kind of weird. <laughs> well, I think in America, we we often see that in, you know, your romantic comedies. Your lead is, you know, she's kind of klutzy. She falls down every so often. She's uh, stubbing her toe and whatnot. And I think here, we think that's, you know, kind of cute. But there, they're like, don't. Don't bring that shit. Yeah, what either. the fuck is wrong with you? Learn how to walk and shut up and pour my tea. <laughs> pour my goddamn tea. They're, honestly, every single time I watch this movie, it makes me want to drink tea. Oh, uh, dude, I. You know what? Rice never looked so good than it does in this movie, man. <laughs> it looks like a porridge. It's weird. Well, we get our first real song of the movie. Uh, You'll bring honor to us all, and it's basically just kind of teaching the the Chinese women how to be proper, how to be a lady, and how to impress the in laws, essentially. Yep. The matchmaker herself, though, is a uh, hideous woman <laughs> when she comes out. Dude, I love her voice. It's like it almost reminds me of Roz from uh, Monsters, Inc., just in human form. Fa Mulan. It reminds me of Ursula from The Little Mermaid. Yeah, there you go. Present. And then she's like speaking without permission. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and she just goes in a tirade telling Mulan she's too skinny, you know, all this shit. And Mulan, meanwhile, has been, is, is cheating. She's written everything she needs to know on her her arm in ink and so there's this whole bit where you know the matchmaker gets ink on her hand she draws a mustache on her face accidentally almost drinks the goddamn lucky cricket and ultimately sets her ass on fire i mean it is it escalates zero to a hundred real fucking quick and it like none of this is really mulan's fault i mean i guess you could argue that the ink on her arm is but like everything else is just like she was just kind of looking out for her so What's the big fucking deal? Yeah, this matchmaker's awful, but... And she even goes Brandon, so Brandon, far. let me step in. She's a bitch. She tells Mulan she'll never bring honor to her family at all, which I guess is like the ultimate fucking... Inst- it's the C word of in China, you know what I mean? Like, that's the ultimate insult. Dude, you want to play a fun drinking game? Uh, drink every time they mention dishonor to, to people's <sighs> families in this movie. Holy they shit. They really kind of drive it into the ground in this film. Well, Mulan, she's not feeling too happy about this, and this heads into a great song, uh, maybe one of my favorite of the whole thing, Reflection, you know, who is that girl I see staring straight back at me? 100% my favorite song. I listen to this song every once in a while just because it's really good. The climax of this song is fantastic, and uh, the the actress who sings it, I believe her name is Leah... 
I can't remember her last name. Do you have it written down? There? I do. It's Leah S- Salonga. Salonga. Uh, yeah, she is. I think she was Jasmine in Aladdin in the cartoon Aladdin. Oh, okay. okay. And she also uh, was Cosette in. Or no, she was not Cosette. She, I, she was in one of the original Les Mis stage performances. Oh, right on. Well, she's, I mean, it shows she's got a beautiful singing voice. And yeah, it's a great song. It's a great, you know, her wiping half of the makeup off. To, you know, there's a lot of great imagery here. Yeah. Look up her IMDb page, man. She is all over uh, musicals. I mean, she's been in so many goddamn movies just singing. And this part here takes place right in their, like, family temple, essentially where all of the ancestors live. I gotta say, I love the the sense of place they're able to do with the animation here. It just sets itself apart from so many of the other Disney movies, just because I, I I really really like you know the animation style, but also the way all of this stuff looks, even the characters' motions and stuff. It's just it, it's on the verge of right when they started to make that stuff so fluid and smooth that it kind of lost that like hand drawn quality. You know what I mean? You can look at this and still tell like it, there's not very much computer manipulation there's a couple of shots anyway yeah where they must have used some computers to enhance it but it really does feel like old school disney while also really pushing i think the animation to its limits it always kind of fits like wherever their movie is set in place like the if you watch like the hunchback of notre dame the architecture and a lot of the drawing looks very like french art artistic style and in this movie like you see the smoke it looks like old chinese drawings it's it's very cool how they're able to kind of develop the animation around the culture but the army comes to recruit the men in their village and you know mulan's not having it her dad is sent out to the army and i love this dude because there's this asshole who is this is it Oh, I'm going to always mess up the names here. I think it's Ching Fu, who's like the emperor's sidekick. Oh, I hate this guy. He's the he's the emperor's advisor, and you are on your fucking own when it comes to the names here, man. <laughs> I cannot, and it's going to sound insensitive of me, and I understand, but I just, I couldn't keep the names straight. Chi Fu. I apologize. It's Chi Fu. I got it here. Chi Fu. Yeah. yeah. He... Oh, well, that's what I, I was going to correct you and say it's Chi Fu, oh, you idiot, you, but, you know. So he comes yeah. and, yeah, recruits the dad. I love the dad gives his cane to his wife stands up straight and like tries to walk as like badass as he can it's so cool i love just the you know the honor and the importance they all place on this and and your duty and all this shit because then mulan you know she's not having it she runs up she says please don't you know don't take my dad he's too old he's already fought in a war and the guy's like hey you better teach your daughter to be a woman and shut the f up and he the dad tell your daughter to go back into the kitchen (laughs) holy shit chifu and uh, well i didn't say it brandon I, I didn't say it. <laughs> but yeah, the dad's like, Mulan, you dishonor me. Turns his head, and that, again, the ultimate insult. Could you imagine? If this, again, this story takes place in America, and he's like, Jenny, you dishonor me. You should be like, Dad, I don't give a fuck. What the <laughs> fuck you, Dad? You know what? Go, take your old ass to war. Later on, the family's still fighting about this. The father says, I know my place. You have to learn yours. Um, and this doesn't sit well with Mulan, and she, you know 
does a little bit of self-reflecting, and that's when she makes the decision, dude. She sees her father. He's struggling to hold his sword up, and she just decides, I'm going to fucking go in his place. Kick off some badass. I'm talking John Carpenter synth type score, dude. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. This whole like fucking, I'm gonna cut my hair and train for a quick hot second and get my sword and shit, dude. This is this is pretty cool. I could lift to that song. It's pretty sweet, <laughs> dude. Oh, do you even lift, bro? Do you even lift, bro? Yeah, bro. I got the Mulan sound. I got the Mulan yeah. soundtrack. Bro, you're bumping. not lifting unless you're lifting to uh, be a man. <laughs> yeah, I'll make a man out of you, bro. Yeah, whatever that song is called. Don't fall. You back uh, off, brah. I know my Disney soundtracks. <laughs> so the family awakens to learn that Mulan has departed. And, you know, just based on the comb alone, he's like, oh, fuck. She's probably taking my place in the army. Does she look like does she look like a man to you in this animation? I, I'm very curious. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Is it man, just because no. we're like we've been watching her for the last 20 minutes and we're like, yeah, no, she, I don't buy it. But no, she doesn't look like a man to me. No. And I, I mean, I think we're meant to learn that maybe through the general when he meets her, maybe she's not much of a man to him. Maybe he's having feelings from the start. I don't know. All, all I do know is that that character is probably wrestling with some, you know, some desires, some some struggles. I'm so glad you brought this up because this is definitely like a movie about a man questioning his sexuality. There's a lot going on under <laughs> underneath the surface of Mulan here. There's also a lot of... Uh, and I wouldn't say anti-drag talk, but there's a whole lot, a lot of cross-dresser jokes and whatnot. You can say that there isn't a lot of anti-cross-dressing jokes <laughs> here, but I'm going to go ahead and say there's a ton of them in this movie. It, it, like There were a couple moments in this movie where they would be like... Like in a in a moment that we're gonna talk about in a second, like there's a bunch of ghosts talking to each other, and she goes, "Your daughter ended up being a crossdresser or something like that," and it's just like it makes you wince a little bit. You're like, "Yeah." 1998. <laughs> yep. Y- Yankaroos, dude. Um, uh, but yeah, we're we're there now because Granny she prays to the ancestors to you know send help to protect Mulan. And that's when we go back to the temple and all of the ancestors come out and all these like ghost forms and they decide to, yeah, wake up Mushu, who is a disgraced former guardian. He's going to awaken the great stone dragon to bring Mulan back home. Yeah, Mushu is like a herald now. He just like bangs the gong to wake up the guardian. Uh, But of course, for whatever reason, it's not really explained. The great stone dragon won't wake up. And Mushu, played by Eddie Murphy, gets a little frustrated and, like, ends up breaking the stone dragon. <laughs> yeah, that he kills that thing. He fucking killed it. We don't talk about it enough. Mushu killed, like... A, a sacred a, artifact a sacred guardian. God, yeah. He killed a god. <laughs> That's how his hero's journey kicks off. He kills a god. Yeah, um, and similar to Mulan, who's impersonating a man, he's going to impersonate a god. He's bringing along Lucky Cricket along the ride, because again, we can't just have one or two. We gotta have, we gotta have a whole host of these animal sidekicks, because again, Mulan left on her trusty steed, who, you know what, he's a funny horse. Do you know how close we came to, like, five sidekick animals in this? Because the, the evil guy has a hawk. He has, like, a pet hawk. <laughs> yep, and there's a fucking panda bear later on there, too. And there's a panda bear, and there's a dog in the beginning. Oh, that that's right. Probably should have had a bigger role. I there it, possibility for at least six animal sidekicks <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> Fucking oh, Disney man. man, just let you. You know why do animals have to be in it? Just let like, hey, this is my friend Chuck. He's along for the ride. Like he's a dude. <laughs> you know that's it. 
Well, we cut to Shan Yu. We figure out a bit more about what's going on with his army. Who? He's you know, the bad guy. Oh. <laughs> you know, with the hawk. Dude, I only bring this scene up because there was one thing I caught on this viewing now that I've never caught in all of my years of watching this movie. So he's captured or he's letting go two, like, prisoners of war or whatever. He's got these two, you know, Chinese soldiers who he says, go back home and tell them we're coming to bring all you fucking got because I'm ready. And they're, again, there's two of them. They start running away. And then he asks the guy next to him, he's like, right hand lackey, he's like, how many people does it take to send a message? And he goes, one. And he, like, let's go of his arrow dude I, and then it cuts to black i never thought he was murdering that other guy you never thought of that dude holy shit mulan this movie's cold that was like the first thing i knew when i was a kid i was like oh he just killed people <laughs> are you kidding me oh that's all you've recognized up until now that was the big plot point no dude i just remember that scene like i remember him killing someone and i remember being a little bit jarred because it was a disney movie well it doesn't show it it cuts to black after and again maybe i just wasn't listening to their dialogue as a stupid kid but i thought it was pretty badass this time yeah it is like this is kind of a cool villain even though i think he's underutilized a little bit because we don't see him being badass a lot in this movie no but he's got vampire kind of like that's cool it's he does have vampire teeth and he has yellow eyes it's actually actually pretty racist well i don't know about that because his skin seems very almost like he's like gray well it's not the skin color it's just the fact that he's like a different ethnicity and they're like oh he's a vampire they all look like darksiders in this movie it's ridiculous Mulan and Mushu finally meet, and there's a pretty. Fu- I, I do admit to laughing here when Mushu finally shows himself, and the horse immediately stomps him into the ground, <laughs> and then it makes like a farting noise in the background. It's like, and he also, <laughs> and I know it's like an internet meme now, but dishonor on you, dishonor on your cow makes me laugh every time. There's a few lines in here that that hold up. That are just like cultural touchstones that I don't remember coming from this movie directly, I guess. I'm going to go ahead and just say it right now. At this point in this movie, we're maybe 30 minutes in, maybe a little bit less. Uh, This is when Eddie Murphy literally picks the movie up, puts it on his back, and keeps going. (laughs) He just like, he takes over, and it's perfect. It becomes the Eddie Murphy show after a while, which I think as a kid I loved. I got to say on these rewatches... You know, him just riffing on some stuff. Yeah, he's. it seems like he's padding the runtime quite a bit often. And honestly, he undercuts a lot of emotional moments. It's like every... And they do this through oh, many all Disney of them. movies. He, cut, he undercuts like every emotional moment. Yeah, it feels like a, like a Marvel movie here where whenever they have like a touching scene or something, someone's got to say something funny to bring it back up. And sure isn't a shit. Eddie Murphy's always there with a quip. Yeah, because you don't... I mean, listen... Your guys watching this movie, you're not going to fucking start crying, dude. You got to crack a joke about balls or titties. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know how many titty or ball jokes I counted in here, but there was I'll at t- least two. On a there was at yeah. least two. We arrive at the training camp. We meet Lee Shang again, BD Wong, Jurassic Park's BD Wong. And he is given command of this regiment. He's the son of the general, right? So the uh, Chief Fu looks at this as a real, you know, he plays the nepotism card pretty hard. And there's, I mean, he's probably right. You know, it's only a war to determine the fate of their entire dynasty. Like, maybe. Yeah, but dude, he's ripped. I, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I forgot he was ripped. Li Shang 
is ripped. We also meet a few other colorful characters at this uh, training camp. We meet Yao, who I didn't know this before was voiced by Harry fucking Firestein, dude. Yes, sir. It's a, listen, I don't know why I didn't put that two and two together because he sounds, I mean, the exact, it's just Harry Firestein, but I just never thought that <laughs> that was him. This cast is wild. It's so, it's all over the place. <laughs> Harvey Firestein. Did I say Harry? You did. What an asshole. I wasn't going to correct you. You really should have. I'm embarrassed. But yeah, he plays Yao. And again, I'm going to punch you so hard it'll make your ancestors dizzy is something I repeat daily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he he does. I can confirm with every listener. uh, Brandon says this every day that I've known him. uh, He'll call me from L.A. and I'm in New York and I'm like going to bed and he's just getting home. And he's like, I got to punch you. And I'm like, Brandon, not today. (laughs) There's also had a bad day. I've had a rough day. I got to go to bed. There's Ling, who's like the, I mean, he's kind of the, the least characterized, I guess, of the three. He's just kind of a weaselly, pencil-nosed face guy. And then there's, you know, Chien Po, who's a giant, uh, who looks like Buddha. You know, just a giant Buddha. There's this whole bit where, you know, Eddie Murphy is basically, I mean, not miming, he's talking behind Mulan's back, pretending that, projecting as her voice. And there are, if you count them, honestly, another game to play during this movie would be take a shot every time Mulan comes shockingly close to being punched in the face <laughs> by someone because it's every other five minutes in this movie. Someone's seconds away from beating her to death and someone stops him really quickly. I didn't really realize it until this watch. This is like a pretty violent movie. There's a lot of fighting. I mean, obviously, it's a movie about war, but uh, the body count is really high in this movie, too. Yeah, dude. And there's just a lot of just beating people up and whatnot. A lot of toxic masculinity here. You know, I think Eddie Murphy's one of his lines is like, punch him. That's how men say hello. (laughs) Yep. Slap him on the butt. They love that. Yeah, man, it's just locker room talk. Yeah, whatever. You know, that's the thing about women, Brandon. Sometimes, uh, you know, if you're so famous, they'll just let you you, you grab them. I'm not going to. No, I'm not going <laughs> to let you finish that. I'm not going to let you finish that. Uh, yeah, you can go so, ahead and cut that if you want. <laughs> Lee Shang. So, he, yeah, he comes out looking at his goddamn army, and there are a bunch of, you know, hooligans that are out here beating each other up. He shoots an arrow at the top of this goddamn pole. And then he gives them two weights. One represents discipline. The other represents strength. You'll need both to reach the arrow. Mm-hmm. And uh, no one can fucking figure it out because th- they're stupid. Yeah, many try, all fail. But that does lead us to a badass training montage, dude. Let's get down to business to defeat the fucking Huns. Because <laughs> I'll make a man out of you. So good, dude. This may be the best song in the movie. Mm, I, think it, I think the reflection song is... Maybe a a scooch better, but this song is. I think if you're gonna rank all the Disney songs like all together from that sort of Renaissance era you were talking about, I think this is maybe a top five. Maybe, dude, it's definitely cracking that top ten, bro. Oh, for sure, top ten, maybe a top five. Well, can, yeah. Do you lift to Circle of Life? I don't think so. No, but I do lift to uh, be prepared. Nice. Well, that's okay. That's kind of Nazi propaganda. Yeah, exactly. The the movie where the the song where they're all Nazis. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that's a keystone of everyone's iTunes playlist, I guess. But um, 
where are we here <laughs> oh yeah dude again i just love this whole sequence and the animation here they're kicking it up a notch man i like the training sequence that whole there's like a shot almost like a simulated jib shot coming down with like they're just for some reason fighting on a red ground <laughs> i don't know why but uh dude it's so cool <laughs> it, this movie is only what an hour and 29 minutes long something like that um yeah, it's like an hour and a half, and maybe. I'm okay with that because it's just it's very obvious that in what they might not have put there with like dialogue and story, everything went into just making sure the movie looked good. And it does. It looks great. of a great typhoon with all the strength of a raging fire mysterious as the dark side of the moon Mulan during this whole montage who is now pretending to be Ping you know she's eventually thrown out of training because she just can't keep up she's not as strong as everyone else and she's kind of failing all these tests but then she decides you know the only way I can get back in to get that arrow. And I just want to say he also probably kicked out because the captain, I forgot his name, uh, he's feeling some strange emotions about this sexy ping guy. And, exactly. Uh, exactly. He can't handle it, so he's like, you know what? It's just it's better if I just send him home. <laughs> better if I just send him home. It's you know what? This is a deep movie. Lee Shang has had so many sleepless nights. Yeah, he's like, I don't know what it is about that guy, but Damn it, he's cute. But yeah, Mulan gets the arrow, throws it down, and, you know, she's then accepted by all her fellow soldiers. All is good. Everyone seems to like her now. And then we get this swimming scene. Oh, do we ever. Mulan is taking a bath because, uh, you know, she's tired of smelling like a dude. Understandable. I'm not crazy about how I smell. That's when the three other uh uh, stooges i can't remember their fucking names and i will not try and yao ling chien po thanks um <laughs> that's when they jump in the water and uh they're playing like king of the hill or something like that it's a lot of naked locker room guy touching <laughs> a lot of grab ass a lot of rough housing any excuse to show your dick during this scene they're trying for and the the animators are working overtime to try and one not expose mulan's breasts and two not show one of these guys ding dong so there's always like a, a a lily pad or something covering up and you know what i'm gonna go ahead and call out disney right now if 2020's Mulan doesn't have at least one ding-dong in a swimming scene, I'm not seeing another Disney movie. I'm boycotting Disney. <laughs> I want at least one dude penis. Yeah, it's and it's got to be on screen for a good few seconds. I want like a Michael Fassbender shame shot in this new Mulan. Yeah, no, we're not... We're not talking Wild Wild West, Will Smith, like, quick, like, half-second peak shot. Pause and you might see his balls. Yeah, you might see his balls. <laughs> no, I'm talking, uh, I want to, like, like Mulan's got to be like, whoa, and then, like, th we just move on. Like, <laughs> He's got to do, like, the forgetting Sarah Marshall dick slapping scene. Exactly, that's what I want. That's what I want. Like, it's it's got to be blatant. It's got to be uh, unnecessary. <laughs> 
you you'll be cowards if yeah. you don't do it. it has I'm to calling o- Disney out. It has to almost derail the story, and we'll get everyone talking like, why was there such a yeah <laughs> a profane? Show? I want the Rotten Tomatoes comments to be. It was a great movie, but there was just at one point you saw this guy's dick, and I just don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> It, it has to be such a consistent criticism that it's in the consensus of Rotten Tomatoes. Their little blurb. Mulan is an like, admirable live-action remake, <laughs> except for one very confusing shot of a penis. 67%. <laughs> Mushu, I guess, decides to, what, jumpstart the war by forging a note from the general using the cricket to say that they need reinforcements, right? Yeah, because the whole plan is to write to the Emperor and say, like, no way these guys are going into war because, you know, he'll listen to his advisor. But uh, Mushu, who wants to prove himself to the ancestors and want to prove that he can make Mulan a war hero, he forges fake documents that actually turn out to be right. Like, he he actually predicts, like, an ambush. Yeah, which also kind of confused me on this go-around. Like, oh, wait, he wasn't lying. Did he know that, or was this all just, like, a, a lark? He didn't know that. It was just a happy coincidence that the Huns happened to be up at the pass and, like, outnumbering the Imperial Army. It's crazy, because, the, yeah, they receive word, they head on over, and we get one little last song here, the uh, A Girl Worth Fighting For, which is basically each soldier telling each other how, how hot they want their wives to be. <laughs> the local girls you are quite the job. Yeah, it's basically just, it's the horniest song in the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, it appropriately comes after the dick scene in 2020's Mulan, hopefully. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And, like, the, by the way, the dick isn't mentioned again, but it is brought up again in the very last shot. Like, you just see, like, you just see the emperor's penis really quick, and then we just close and, like, to black. And it's second build. Yep. 67 with critics, uh, <laughs> 83 with audiences. Anyway. Uh, yeah, they're ambushed by the Huns. And this, again, probably, actually, this w- is my favorite animation sequence in the whole movie because they do do some some computer tricks to enhance some, like, crazy sweeping camera motions. But this is fucking cinematic. Them rushing down this goddamn mountainside and there's hundreds and hundreds of soldiers on horseback. It looks like the Battle of Helm's Deep. It's crazy. Yeah, and it's awesome. We did skip over. They ran into a village that had been decimated by the Huns and the general was actually killed in that battle so now they are china's only remaining soldiers yeah and li shang is devastated by the loss of his father obviously he orders his troops you know to stand if we die you know we die with honor doing what we know is right and mulan takes it upon herself to take what their like last remaining rocket or firework or some shit and um, it's a more yeah it's a mortar and she shoots it instead of at han like the i'm sorry at shan yu fuck me at shan yu instead of shooting at him she shoots at the top of the mountainside and you know, releases an avalanche yeah and This scene is kind of cool with all the snow coming down and just wiping out the Hun army. What is confusing is that they kind of treat it like a river after that. Like they come up for like air. 
It's strange. <laughs> yeah, some of them are buried. Some of them ride it like a surfboards and stuff. And like, yeah, the horse is somehow able to glide on top of it. I don't, I don't understand the logistics here. I also call bullshit on how her and sh- sh- <laughs> Ling Shi, Li Shang are saved. Oh, with the, they go with off the, the arrow? The cliff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they go off a cliff. They shoot the arrow that's just held on with a regular old rope. And her buddies there, you know, Yao Ling and Xian Po, grab the rope. And then somehow are able to lift all those two, because Li Shang got uh, knocked out during the whole scuffle there, those two and their horse up the side of a mountain. Everything's all good. And they're cheering because they've decimated the entire, you know, Hun army. Yep, but it turns out Mulan is hurt, so they take her to the medical tent. She passes out, and the doctor, uh, doing doctor things, obviously discovers that uh, she's a woman. Oh, shit. Oh, no, she got titties. <sighs> She's discovered to be a liar, dude. That's the reveal in this movie, by the way. Like, they walk in and see that she has titties. Like, that's how they find out. <laughs> it's not true, is it? <laughs> like, yeah, of course it is. Uh, well, for a, for a second, dude, I thought they were going to get really dark because Chifu, furious, he grabs her, brings her outside, and throws her into the snow because it's so like, look at what she she's a woman, a, a treacherous snake. <laughs> a treacherous snake, they call her. Oh, my God. And uh, I can't fucking remember I know, dude. Name. It's Li Shang. Li Shang. Li Shang. Thank you. Li Shang decides to spare Mulan's life because she saved his life, but they abandon her in the snow, so she's probably going to die anyway. Yeah. She's exiled, and the Imperial Army just decides to start heading out back to the city, right, for celebrations. Yep, they have to go to the Emperor and let him know that they defeated the Huns. And uh, But it turns out, Brandon, you'll never guess what happens next. The Huns are fucked. The Huns are fucking alive, dude. <laughs> what? I just spit, I spit my coffee. <laughs> yeah, what? I know. It, you didn't see it coming because there was still, you know, 25 minutes left in the movie. You thought the Huns were gone. Uh, but no, they're they're fucking alive. You know, Mulan, obviously at this point, she's feeling really down. Uh, Mushu reveals himself to be a fraud as well. And she notices that, yeah, the Huns, are, the Huns aren't dead. So she heads back to the Imperial City, but has no luck convincing Shang about Shan Yu and his survival. So the Huns raid the city, they capture the Emperor, and they seize the palace. But thankfully, you know, Mulan gets a little help from her boys, uh, Yao Ling and Chen Po, who decide to cross-dress themselves. Yep, now the role reversal, Brandon. It's what we call in the industry role reversal. You see, because earlier, Brandon, Mulan was dressed as a boy. Now the boys, they're dressing as girls. Yeah, dude, they're posing as concubines, and they, um, they're they able to enter the palace pretty easily. Yeah, and then they fuck the guards uh, to distract them, and... Uh, <laughs> Like, what'd you do? I knocked him out. Oh, yeah, me too. Oh, wait, you guys knocked him out? Yeah, why? What'd you do? Uh, I just thought... No, I, I, I knocked... just thought there was a different plan. I I, I mean, I knocked him out too. What, yeah. What do you mean? Your mouth's real puffy. Uh, f- fuck you. He, he punched, punched me yeah, too. Yeah, he punched me. <laughs> yeah. He punched me. <laughs> Shan Yu just beats the shit out of Shang. It's pretty awesome. He's beating him with his knees and the sword, slapping him and shit. Shan Yu then stops, though, when he realizes that Mulan is the soldier from the mountains. She lures Shan Yu to the rooftop so that Mushu can launch, you know, an enormous firework at 
Shan Yu, which I gotta say, honestly, it hits him, sends him flying, and then explodes, and then there's fireworks everywhere, probably some raining pieces of this guy's body as well we don't get to see, but dude, that's like top five Disney villain deaths of all time. He gets fucking exploded with a goddamn rocket? Yes. They literally obliterate him into a billion <laughs> tiny pieces. It's There's pretty a, badass. I want to see the ground where all these kids are like taking out, sticking out their tongues to collect the blood mist that's raining down upon them from their on enemy, dude. Jesus Christ, dude. Hey, come on, dude. It's Mulan. 2020 Mulan better have that scene. I mean, it, it, none of it's going to matter if we don't see at least one penis. <laughs> right, because you'll have walked out at that point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Oh, boy. But, uh, yeah, dude, mission completed. She killed the bad guy, the emperor, who at first everyone thinks is going to kill her, maybe, because she's, you know, just disobeyed everything. She's destroyed so much, and, you know, but she also ultimately saved them. So he's impressed. He praises her. And he, along with everyone in attendance, bows to Mulan. It's a real Return of the King moment. It's pretty inspiring. Yep, and the emperor bestows her with a bunch of very honorable gifts, like you know the sword that the Huns used and his own personal pennant to take home and just prove to her father that like you did a fucking sweet job here. This is when we get like the the really just kind of wedged in their love plot too. Yeah, well, he even offers her Chifu's job because that guy sucks. Um, but she winds up, you know, hugging her bros and just passes by Li Shang, who, again, at this point must be like, he, he tries to mumble something out like, oh, you're good at fighting. And she's like, oh, thanks. I, I, uh, I, 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 uh, you're, you're pretty. I like your boobs. <laughs> what if he were to, like, go up to her to, like, kiss her? And then just as he's about to do it, he, like, takes her hair and puts it back up into the man bun and then looks at her and then starts kissing her. <laughs> it would make a lot more sense. <laughs> it would make a lot more sense in the context of this movie, dude. <laughs> Meanwhile, her father, you know, he's sitting by the garden and is overcome with emotion when she comes in. Dude, this is a great thing. You know, he tells her the greatest gift and honor is to have you as a daughter. Aww. Fuck. I wish my dad said that to me. Well, but you can't read, though, so why would he do that? That's why he tells me he'll never say that to me. Mm-hmm. 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 And who uh, might show up as well, dude? Li Shang. He comes over to return Mulan's helmet, but you know why he's really there. Although they never do kiss. They never show a kiss. He does accept, you know, uh, an invitation to stay for dinner from the family. So we know he's going to be in her life eventually. But uh, I kind of liked and respect the fact that they don't have to you know, complete the love story, as it were, or at least it doesn't have to shove it down our throats. I think it's more because I think, you know, the the homophobic man in the audience are like, what is he thinking, man? What's going on with Lee Shang? It's like, well, what, he fell he fell, he fell, fell in love with this dude and suddenly they're kissing? <laughs> Dad, no, like, Mulan's that's... a girl. We, we're, we're, we've been following this character the whole no, time. No, no, I, I, no, shut up, shut up, shut up. I saw this whole movie. It's about a guy. <laughs> Dad, I don't think you were paying attention. Yeah, I fell asleep a few times. There wasn't even a dick. <laughs> yeah, what am, I, what am I not gonna? This is a movie about a bunch of guys going to war. You're not gonna see one dick. <laughs> that guy definitely walks out of 2020 Mulan <laughs> oh, if there's fuck, no dick. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Mushu is reinstated as guardian of the family, kicking off an end credit song where, again, where they, they have had such classy, beautiful music. I really wish they would just go out on some nice score, a nice pull-out, beautiful establishing shot or whatever, or, or at least final close shot, giving us some nope. closure to this family. No, we have to have a fucking musical number, similar to Shrek with Eddie Murphy kicking off. What is this? 98 degrees. True to your heart. You must be true to your heart. 
I don't know, dude. I always, I don't think, even on this last watch, I don't think I've ever stayed through the credits of Mulan. Mulan. What are your thoughts? Um, You know, man, it's weird because I was really looking forward to watching this movie because, like I've said, like we said earlier, it's a movie that I've revisited before. It's one that's always stuck out of with me as a Disney movie, um, but I'm not sure why, <laughs> Like to be perfectly honest with you. Even on this rewatch, I'm not quite sure why. It's kind of a movie that moves almost a little too fast. It's just... nothing's really happening in this movie it's the first half of it is a training montage and then one battle scene that like kind of leads nowhere then the climax of the movie so it it, there's a lot going for it that's really great uh obviously the music in it the animation it's you know it's a good movie it's just it's nothing sticks out to me as like extremely special um, I think I'm going to go ahead and say maybe a 75. It's good. It's watchable. It's rewatchable. If you're nostalgic about it, I would absolutely show it to your kids. But I think if we're comparing it to all those movies that we listed off earlier, it's not in the top five. It's definitely kind of one of the more middle of the road movies. And I think it's a story that really benefits from... You know, if it was a violent movie, if it was more of an adult film. So I'm curious to see how this live action movie is because it's a war movie at its heart. And it's kind of hard to shoehorn that into a children's musical comedy. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, when we're talking that Renaissance era, if you, movies that are just as dark, I think, like Lion King, there's a lot of dark, messed up shit in there that they do. It's a hard balance. They, you know, this balancing act of them finding, you know, a, a combination of comedy and and heart along with the tragedy. It's Hamlet for children. Yeah, and this similarly is just dealing with such heavy subject matter. And if the plot wasn't always centered around that, it's also dealing with like not necessarily gender identity, but it is dealing with impersonating these people in in a less comedic tone that you would suspect, I guess. Like they, they do definitely mine the whole comedic situation out of it. And I wonder how that'll translate to a 2020 audience, how they'll change that and whatnot. Because I will say, for the most part, this movie does hold up. There are some kind of cringy dialogue moments, but it's not one of the. It's not like a Pocahontas or one of those movies that you look back on and you're like, "Oh, jeez, our heads were kind of not in the right place when we were, uh, yeah, making this one." Um, but but I will. I still think there's a Mulan as a character is a really well drawn, rich character. You understand why she's doing all of this, and. Um, I, I like the the animation style. The cast gives it. I mean, <laughs> Eddie Murphy really does a lot of heavy lifting. I will say that on this rewatch, I didn't love his character as much as I have in previous watches. Mm-hmm. But I will agree with you that I think it is just a, a bit too dark for its. Again, I don't know if this is G or PG rating, but I think they could have either pushed it a little further with the you know kind of the heaviness of it all, or toned it down a little bit and maybe make it more for kids with less of a war centric plot if they want to do this, but. I'm glad we got the movie they did because I, I think it's a solid Disney entry. It's one of the better, I think, 90s and and beyond Disney films. I, I'd say you're right. It's not quite classic Disney, but it is. I think it's even top tier Disney. You know, I, I'd show this to someone who hasn't seen it in a while, and I think it's also still a worthwhile watch for people who've never seen it. So I'll give it, I'll give it a little higher than you. I'll go an 80 on it. But yeah, yeah. and it'll be curious. I mean. 
I I I want to get excited about the live action remake. I don't think I can. I'm really remake out right now, but I think this is a movie that probably will benefit from live action and maybe it looks more action and war focused, so maybe it, it, it's better. But we'll really have to see. I, I, I just I have a hard time looking at a movie like this and, you know, just the legend, the actual legend of Mulan is not really one for kids. It's a war story. Yeah, man. Well, is there uh, before we get into next week's movie, anything that you did watch? Uh, did you see that Lion King, bro? I did not see the Lion King yet. Um, <laughs> I was like making plans for it, but I was listening to some of the reviews and just decided to kind of put it on the back burner because I got a lot of shit to do. Um, but I uh, I can give you a Netflix recommendation, uh, Dairy Girls Season 2. I can't remember if I've recommended Dairy Girls on this show before. Uh, it's about growing up in the 90s in Northern Ireland during the Troubles. Uh, it is horrifically funny. It's one of the funniest shows on Netflix, uh, written by Lisa McGee, who's an Irish comedian writer and uh it's also got a lot of really good heart to it only six episodes per season because it's a bbc show but it i can't recommend that show enough it's very good also uh succession season two started i think this week and if you haven't seen the first season of that show i'd highly recommend that but that's will ferrell and adam mckay producing and it's comes off as a drama if you watch the trailer but it's actually just kind of a black comedy, and it's super, super funny. Oh, okay. That's the one with Brian Cox, right? <clears throat> yes, and Brian Cox is amazing. He's so good. Yeah, so watch those. Since we recorded last, I saw a few movies, and I just want to touch on a couple. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, finally caught that. Dude, I was a big fan. I know a lot of people have found it. It's a controversial like movie, I guess. Um, it's pretty... Similar to a lot of other Tarantino movies in my mind, I think it's not necessarily as densely plotted or paced or quickly paced, I guess, as some of his other movies like Inglorious Bastards or Django Unchained. It's more of like a more like a hangout Jackie Brown type of movie where it's just kind of seeing these characters and go about their lives. I think it was slightly mismarketed with its emphasis on the Manson family because they play a much smaller role than I think you're led to believe. But I dug it. I liked it. You know, it's not one of his greatest, but I do think it's a pretty good one from him. Okay. So if you're a Tarantino fan, I'm sure you'll like it, or at least it's definitely worth the watch. Uh, I also saw Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which was honestly a, a pretty solid little horror movie. I typically shy away from the PG-13 horror films because I just, they're all so goddamn similar and they all feel so generically jump scary and I, I just can't get into most of them when they're PG-13. That's not to say that R-rated, I mean, gory movies are the only ones I find scary. It's just right. nine times out of ten, if it's PG-13, it's a horror. I just cannot cannot connect. But this one was produced by Guillermo del Toro. It's also directed by the guy, Andre Overdahl, who did uh, Troll Hunter and The Autopsy of Jane Doe, which were two movies I enjoyed. And it's just got a lot of good, like, creature effects design, a lot of practical effects, which are cool. It's well shot. Again, the characters are kind of meh, and the story's fairly generic. But if you're going just for, like, some cool, solid atmosphere, it takes place in the late late, late 1960s during Halloween time. So, I don't know. I thought it was just, like, a cool watch. Nothing you need to rush out to see. You could probably wait for it to hit Netflix or something. But it was pretty good. What was the name of that and again? And then uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. It's based, based on those off, old... Yeah, yeah based not, off the book. Yeah. yeah. And they painstakingly recreate those 
images, which I, I remember a few of the books, but I remember all of those illustrations that I'd seen. Like, the, Yeah, the illustrations are haunting. Yeah, so they did a pretty good job with that. And uh, the last two I want to talk about were Hobbs and Shaw. Holy shit, dude. Oh, Jesus Christ, dude. It. I can't think of a movie this year that's been marketed exactly what it is. It's it's. If you see that movie trailer and you think, that is the dumbest shit ever, I don't want to see that, do not go see this movie because it's just that for two hours and 15 minutes but i will say god damn it if it didn't give me exactly what i paid for like it's so dumb so dumb but i had a blast man it does it's it overstays its welcome it's it's 30 minutes honestly too long but for for when it's on (laughs) dude it's it's pretty fucking funny the last one i want to recommend it's probably one of my favorites of the year and no one's talking about it it's a it's a very small dark comedy called the art of self-defense and it stars Jesse Eisenberg, oh, yeah, yeah and the guy good. from Jurassic Park three, dude, who we were shitting on in that episode, but he's great in this movie. Um, <laughs> it's basically kind of like, kind of like Fight Club, I guess. If it were, I don't want to say smarter because I love Fight Club, but but it's more self aware of what, it, like, because Fight Club takes on the whole, you know, toxic masculinity and brotherhood and all that that shit, and it, it kind of makes it look cool. <laughs> where this movie kind of shows it for the fraud that sometimes it is. Um, Dude, this is just so goddamn funny, and I can guarantee you, as you're watching it, you'll it just keeps like subverting your expectations. I had no idea where it was gonna go, and by the end of it, I was like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" But I had a blast. Interesting. Yeah. So, so I- up, up, upside, very surprising comedy. Downside, Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> I was gonna say it's Jesse Eisenberg playing the same exact character you've seen him play thirty times before, but. For whatever reason, I don't know, I think it just fits well in this role or he's able to distinguish himself just enough for you not to get annoyed by him. <laughs> but because typically his movies sometimes rub me the wrong way. But I think he was he was damn good in this. one. He rubs me the wrong way in general. But yeah, that's awesome. I'll man. rub you the wrong way. Ooh. Wait, what? Uh, next week, <laughs> we are doing a movie we've talked about covering since we started this goddamn show, dude, 70 episodes ago. It was it was probably brought up in the planning of this show. I can't believe it's taken us this long to get to it. Uh, but it's on Hulu, so it's the perfect time to do it. The year 2000 was, I mean, it was a dark time for movies because this is when we were getting into our let's put CGI into a lot of stuff and let's be crass and a lot of fart jokes. So let's combine it all together in what could be a classic episode. <laughs> we're doing 2000s Cats and Dogs. It's. I mean, it's going to be bad. I, I don't... I'm just telling you, man, there's no way this movie, and like, there's no way I get surprised about this movie. No, th- we know exactly. This is going to be a Kangaroo Jack type episode if there ever was one. Oh, yeah, it is brutal. You guys are going to love it. <laughs> Toby Maguire, dude, the comeback of Toby Maguire. Oh, my God. Well, the comeback. <laughs> well, you know, since he's been back on our show, uh, Spitterman. Ugh, God, it, it, like, it's. I'm, I'm already. I'm dragging on that movie already. <laughs> 53 on Rotten Tomatoes that movie's got. Half of the people like that movie. Holy shit. That blows my mind, honestly. Wait, by critics, 53%? By critics. Critics, 53% That's... of critics like that movie. That is out of this world. <laughs> it's <laughs> wow. Just, it's crazy. Jeff Goldblum, Elizabeth Perkins. It's going to be nuts. I can't wait, man. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode. Tune in next week for Cats and Dogs. Also, check our feed out, nbd.podbean.com. That's where we are originally hosted for all 70 goddamn episodes. Yep, you can also check us out on iTunes and uh, 
I, you know, other podcasting sites. I can't name them, man. I'm so There's tired. a few of them. It's like almost <laughs> one o'clock where I'm at right now, man. <laughs> There's a couple. Um, we're also on Facebook. Don't ch- or check us out there. No, don't don't check us out there. Please do. Uh, and yeah, and we're on Twitter. And uh, you know, just tell your friends. Just tell your fucking friends. Hey, just tell your fucking friends. <laughs> Listen to this stupid show. They're doing cats and dogs. Remember that movie? Cats and dogs. Your friends are going to love the fucking cats and dogs episode. (laughs) And be sure next time you're at the gym to pump some goddamn Mulan soundtrack. Get it into your life. Get it into your veins because it'll make a man out of you.